0: joseph and i'm nick and this is fish jelly (laughs) oh boy how are you moving at warp speed through the day how are you oh i'm okay uh i need to say thank you again because the last like two week period has had the most we've experienced the most streams and downloads of our podcast Oh wow, I had no idea. Over the because we've been doing it for almost a year or a little over. Oh, it's gotta be longer than that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, because this is episode 94. So it's been 94 weeks. They, <laughs> math. Yeah. This past two-week period, uh, we've had the most listens and streams, and we have more people sponsoring us on Anchor. So thank you. Oh yes, thank you. So if you if, if you want to help support us and help me uh change out my silver colored feelings for tooth colored feelings you can uh go on to anchor we are not destitute <laughs> we are not destitute No, <laughs> we have insurance we you know can we talk about dental insurance it's a joke
1: i don't really it is a joke but we do have it and we i have two dental plans every six years i get my teeth cleaned
0: <laughs> i have two dental plans and i still don't have proper cover like i still end up paying the only thing i don't pay for is to get my teeth cleaned but everything else is still end up paying granted the last few years I haven't needed much work, but still it's crazy. Like I've had two dental plans and I've spent so much money. Yes. Yes. It's a shame. And I, when I, I don't think I've been to
1: the dentist since 2018. Well, you need to go.
0: I know. But the last time before that was 2011. So. Well, dental health is important because of there course. are other issues, you know, be that extend beyond your mouth. Right. Like, if you're I'm, I'm not a dentist but i understand that you know there are certain types of infect you you can be prone to infections that could lead to like heart disease like your mouth is a vessel to other parts of your body and if you don't keep it healthy so your mouth shouldn't hurt in any way of course knock on wood we obviously don't have any issues now i would be at the dentist but yeah but i'm just saying it's a shame that dental care is not something that's easily accessible no i don't think it. that people should have to pay Anything, well, um, well, it's just like for many people who uh
1: still even have retirement packages, you know, like my parents but with pensions, and it's like they still have to pay for uh dental and vision because everything's
0: considered cosmetic, but it's like missing a tooth or should my, not be cosmetic. Or like, my goddamn eyeballs need to work, thank you, yeah, or having to pay the cost of your laser eye surgery is like okay, but in the long run, you not having to get contacts and glasses every year, wouldn't that be cheaper? It's so weird so weird but anyway um so you know fantasia barino of course well not personally but i'm very familiar i've seen her in concert three times yeah Mm -hmm. you know she when she was on american idol explained that she was functionally illiterate Mm -hmm. and then went to get it on her GED. we watched that happen in kind of real time yes um and then she she wrote a book um, where well, she explains she's illiterate, which I think, which to this day to me is the funniest thing. Well, you know, someone wrote a book <laughs> someone wrote it with her, and Debbie Allen directed a movie about her. My life is not a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she has said that she I was reading this article because um she announced on an Instagram live that she has decided to go get her further education. Um, and this is the quote from her I went back to school. Shout out to my Soror Yvonne which is referring to the Sigma Gamma Rho sorority. Okay. So um I'm assuming this means she's in college, but reading the article it's like she just keeps talking about the sorority, which I think <laughs> is funny like college is not about being in a sorority. Well, it can be part of it if it's you want part wish. of the experience, but it's like what are you st- I, I'm more interested to know what is she and, studying. I mean, she'd
1: be the, el- <laughs> the she'd be the elder in the sorority, right? Well, she's 38. Yeah, right? I mean most of those girls are what
0: in the early twenties, but 19 you know Fantasia is an inspiration, and she's is a wildly successful R and B artist and very talented. And she's currently filming the the musical version of the movie, The Color Purple. Well, that I think that's been wrapped, um, right?
1: Because that comes out this year. Uh, oh, so yeah, that must uh, that has to be. It, in post. They're
0: probably just finished, but you know, good for her. And she has um, children, like a teenager and a smaller kid, and and a lot of relatives she supports. Well, based on the reality show we watched, yeah, but um, yeah, good for her. I was reading that Dr. Phil's show is coming to an end, and I bringing I'm bringing that up because I was surprised to know he's still on the air. <laughs> did, uh, did Did you know he's still?
1: I mean, I don't really watch television or talk shows. I, I'm I guess I'm not surprised. I'm surprised we saw an ad for South Park the other day, which I would
0: obviously much prefer over dr phil but that's still around um well after 21 years dr phil's going to end his show i think that's fine i was surprised to know that he still had a show well um oh god the cat's attacking us okay we can move on to sorry
1: to this man it It should be me it should be me for somebody suggesting that i did not know who chris ludicrous bridges is (laughs)
0: oh I, I didn't include that so I, and my mind just went blank so unless you're prepared to explain what you just said I, oh I can't no because you would reference some song in the movie a lot of nothing and i the oh in the review we did for the movie a lot of nothing i referenced the song and and then i was trying to figure out the name and you said yeah the lyrics are like get out the way something about getting out of the way and then someone said like well obviously it's ludicrous no i know ludicrous but it's like of course i know who ludicrous is it's not it's another group that I don't remember at the moment, but I did comment in the video comment section. So if someone cares to know what song I was talking about, it's in there. But uh, no, I drove my
1: uh, 10th grade honors class peers crazy with uh, what's your fantasy. I, I would sing that song literally every day. So even if I don't know a ludicrous song, that voice is unmistakable.
0: Also in the same video, I referenced that one of the characters is singing and I am telling you by Jennifer holiday. And then someone commented that I'm wrong and that or basically they were nice about it, but they said, oh, I can't wait for the sorry to this man section on Sunday when you have to correct yourself and say that it was Jennifer Hudson. So then this person had me going in my mind for 10 minutes. Like there's no way I got this wrong. But I think what happened was this person didn't realize that yes, Jennifer Hudson, does sing and i'm telling you in her role in the movie dream girls but that song and role were originated on broadway by jennifer holiday mm-hmm. uh, and lastly we did a video review for the movie the reading starring monique it's on bet plus we did not give the movie a good review it's mm. it's poorly done yes the direction the writing it's
1: it's shoddy work except for from monique who the is highlight to... of
0: the film is monique's performance in the second half of the movie because she goes full on like ham ham but if you were to take all of her scenes in the second half it probably would total like seven minutes so i don't think seven minutes of a hundred minute movie makes for like a great movie mm-hmm. when the, everything else about it is poorly done but anyway we got a bunch of comments because we when the credits came on, we couldn't have turned the movie off faster. Oh, no, I want it to be immediately done. And it, so, yeah, so we missed a post credit scene where, well, it, does, it, it there's no point mentioning it because we'd have to des- describe the entire plot. But I did want to say we did follow up and watch the post credit scene. And I commented in the video comment section that we did view the post credit scene. I, I do think we interpret it the same as other people do. It still doesn't. Um, negate the fact that it's a poorly directed and poorly written film. Uh, I don't care
1: what that scene was.
0: I don't care if Sigourney Weaver
1: popped her little head in there. It was not going (laughs) to make that film any better than the
0: terrible thing that it is. But it did make me want to say that I think people often like criticize, like if we give a movie a bad review, they'll say like, we're crazy. We don't know what we're talking about. It was a perfect film. And then they'll go on to say like, well yeah this was bad and this didn't make sense and this was weak and it's like okay you can't like say something's amazing and then give like three examples of why it's not great and I think it's it's okay that you like a film but it just makes me think which relates to our secret film today that people make excuses for things that they know it's just interesting to me how it, like, it's OK to want to like something, but sometimes the shit doesn't make sense. Like <laughs> and it's a it's OK, it's perfectly all right
1: to like something that most people don't at all. Or I, I find it, you know, especially uh, I, I noticed a lot of film critics don't seem to want to give their honest opinions about something that there's critical consensus for like skin Uh And no, like you, you need to. You need to stand by what you think, what your opinion is. And it doesn't Well, maintain- there's.
0: Per- I mean, I, I think, especially with film critics, there's pressure because they want, like, people don't want to stand out for the wrong reasons right. in their mind. And I think people think there's some sort of value in, like, running with the herd. There's not. I'm not being difficult and always trying to be a contrarian, but I also think it's like, I'm not going to. You know i'm sure people think i know people think i'm stupid but i'm not going to make myself feel stupid by pretending i like something i don't well you're not stupid uh, but and people
1: think that about me too but uh fuck them <laughs> and i'm i am i'm in ignorance about many things as we all are about something that doesn't make that's not what makes somebody
0: stupid well let's move on so there's only one film you have list that was released we didn't cover and it's something called godland
1: which you know in a perfect world we would have because i did like this film out of can last year played in un certain regard uh from icelandic filmmaker hilner Palmason. we reviewed his last film a white white day uh which I, I liked more but that's more of a genre melodrama uh and this is a much more slow arthouse film uh that i would have I thought would have been Iceland's selection for best international release submission, but it wasn't. They picked Beautiful Beings, Uh, but still really worth a watch. It's from the guy that led his first film, Winter's Brothers, um, and and basically about this Danish priest that uh, travels to Iceland and this arduous journey uh, therein. Uh, Again, a little long, but I I did enjoy it. and I feel like you would have, if we had a moment to be patient to watch it, would have liked it.
0: All right. So movie, the cat is going crazy. She's possessed, uh, movies. We watch for fun. Uh, I, I just wanted to mention that I, you were in the room for most of it, but I wa- George Lopez has two comedy specials on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, why are you crying? From two thousand five, which I used to listen to a lot. Like you play, I had, the audio, recor- you I had played, the audio recording. You played that
1: before because I remember some of those.
0: Uh, yeah, that's live. from two thousand five, and then we watched the uh, "We'll Do It for Half" the twenty twenty Netflix special. So fifteen years apart, and um, you know, I was kind of disappointed because I really do like the two thousand five comedy special because it's very Chicano, which mm-hmm. you know I technically am, so I related to a lot of. What he was saying, and so it's still funny to me to this day. But then watching him in twenty twenty, you know, he's clearly had some health issues, so yeah. that's kind of hard to watch because he looks like he's had a rough fifteen years. But I was kind of disappointed in how much of the material was recycled.
1: Yeah, he, well, he touches on a lot of the same themes, but you know, is that the artist's fault or that just the world hasn't moved? That the
0: finger hasn't moved that far uh, in advancing. <laughs> well, I don't know because a lot of the stuff is like. You know, Latinos are like, it it just felt very dated. Sure. sure. Like he hasn't evolved uh, with his comedy. So I'm just bringing that up because I sat one morning this past week and watched both back to back Um, something called the blind man who did not want to see Titanic. Yeah, (laughs)
1: actually, I'm supposed to review this, but it uh, opens, I think, Friday uh, in very select theaters and or I I don't know where, but uh, it's from Finnish director Timo Niki, uh, who I did a QA with in 2018 for The Euthanizer, which is a film I recommend. Uh, this played at, I think, in Venice Horizons 2021, maybe. Uh, it's, a, as it says, it's about a, a blind guy who does not want to see the movie Titanic and uh, never has the James Cameron film. Well, he can't see it even if he wanted to. He's gone blind because of MS, I believe. <sighs> um, and he, it, it's, really the camera is intensely focused on this man's face who has recently gone blind he's a lover of john carpenter films and he's corresponding with this uh other disabled woman that lives somewhere in the same city he does uh and he decides to on his own without uh, a handler or guide uh try to visit her one day after they've been corresponding you know because he's also sad and lonely uh and i i was entertained at the fact that he's decided to that she looks like Sigourney Weaver an Alien. Uh, but of course, he gets on a train by himself. And when you depend on the kindness of strangers and is when you get hemmed up because these men realize he's blind and uh, uh, torture and rob him. <laughs> but, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm laughing at that, but it's just like, oh my God, of course this is doing this. But um, it's very much this filmmaker's uh, particular worldview, which I do appreciate. And I do recommend it. I did enjoy it. Next, irreversible straight cut. I rewatched uh Gaspar Noe's uh, Breakthrough, which is 2002's In Irreversible, which I believe you probably watched when we were first dating. Uh, with it, it has that uh, is it nine that nine minute anal
0: rape scene of Monica Bellucci? Where you the, mentioned this so many times over the years, and I do not know what you're talking about. I'm I have sh- never seen this. You movie. haven't seen it, <laughs> no, okay. you've said it so many times. You also reference a movie where some woman's giving some guy like performing oral sex on him for 12 minutes. Oh, the brown bunny. Yeah, you always mentioned that. I I have never seen that either.
1: I I know you haven't seen that because I haven't watched that since I rented it the year it came out. But no, I don't know this movie. Uh, Well, we can't trust your faulty memory. I, I feel like you did watch it and didn't like it when I was at work one day back in circa 2009. Anyway, I haven't really watched it since I was an undergrad. God the cat. So I, I rewatched that because Gaspar Noé has recut it cuz uh if you don't know the original is told in reverse order. So he has the new straight cut which has he's re-edited it to be told in a, a linear fashion from start to finish. And I do think there are some surprising emotional uh effects that happen when it's told in this order because it's a very it's a hard movie to watch and it's you know, this is this came out before the term torture porn was a thing, uh, but I'm supposed to be I, I did start it. I haven't finished it uh, a piece for our own site on that. Oh, good. Uh, oh, we watched kiss the girls. Let me preface this. It's Black History Month we were uh perusing hbo max's cuz i think we do this every year where like what did what did this streaming service pick for their oh can
0: we talk about that because we were going
1: yeah for their um black history selections uh and what and what they've uh decided to assemble for the children to discover their their history uh and i was kind of i haven't i remember liking kiss the girls when i was 13 but i would not say that, that this is a black movie uh which brings up some interesting elements of Just because there's a black lead doesn't really mean that's a a movie about a
0: about black people or the black experience. But uh, go on. No, I was just going to say, like going on Amazon Prime and they have like black voices and different selections. And it's like, what is the criteria for? (laughs) Because then they even have like a playlist, like Tamara Maori's like black history or like favorite black movies. And it's like, okay, Uh, there's only like five or six selections. Girl, you can you can do a top. ten. I don't know anyway kiss the girls Morgan Freeman Ashley Judd it's like a you know murder thriller I did enjoy it it's a little crunchy it
1: oh it has not aged well I do really like Tony Goldwyn so that's a plus um who I did remember was one of the villains but you know James Patterson was a big deal in like Pulp Fiction uh as a Pulp Fiction writer in the 90s but that that character Alex Cross who Morgan Freeman would play again in along came a spider which I remember, I did not like that one out the gate. Uh, and then Alex Cross was then played by Tyler Perry. And what, what year is that? Like 2012. Um, yeah, Ash. There are just so many nonsensical things in that movie. Like Ashley Judd, you know, has survived this serial killer who calls himself Casanova, and then decides to basically attach herself to Morgan Freeman. And they have this. They have Tony Goldwyn in this bar, and she
0: decides to go in there. Oh my God. Well, first of all, I think Ashley Judd gives a good performance, but her character makes no sense. And then it's like, she doesn't know what he looks like, but he knows what she looks like because he was torturing her for a Mm -hmm. period of time. So we think, but then we find out that he wasn't the person. It's a different serial killer. But the fact that she thought it would be a good idea to like go into a nightclub where the, the serial killer who had kidnapped her might be was so frustrating. Also her rationale for like, I want to help these women, but actually just characters, like a medical doctor. So I kept thinking if you want to help women, like, why don't you do that with your practice? Why don't you work on like maybe starting a thing where you help women who are the victims of sexual assault or, I don't know. It, it just seems so selfish that this character is like, I need to go help the police and then Morgan Freeman has assembled a team of people to assist him under the radar. Mm -hmm. So everything they're doing is, like, not legit. And I just, I felt like I'm sure. Well, and it's because his niece is one of the
1: kidnapped girls. Right. And I'm
0: sure if there were a part two where we, like, go through, like, the court case of all this, The killer would probably get off because everything they did was illegal like Mm -hmm. it was so annoying um and then he and morgan freeman is keeping that
1: facial hair black at this point and looks like he's He's trying to be like shaft he wants to be shafted
0: that's how he's dressed i thought that he was not i think he's fine he's a fine actor but i think the decision to style him the way they did or Make him seem more youthful. I don't know. But it was he, weird.
1: My dad. I, I I had thought it was the movie The Bone Collector. But my dad often said when we were, he repeated the line. But he's a collector. That's from that's Morgan Freeman from Kiss the Girls.
0: <laughs> okay, you watched Money Train?
1: Yeah, because they're for a, a a sweet little minute. I thought I might be interviewing Woody Harrelson for Champions. Uh, so I was like, there are, there are several many Woody Allen Woody Allen Woody Harrelson films I haven't seen. And one of them is Money Train, which is the third union of Wesley Snipes and. Woody harrelson uh, directed by joseph rubin and uh, jennifer lopez has oh. a very sizable role as the woman that tears these foster brothers apart in their their transit authority uh world in in new york and it is a ridiculous film i did not like this at all
0: you watched something called rouge oh my god
1: love this film uh stanley kwan queer hong kong filmmaker um He's probably I think he's either best known for Rouge or Center Stage with Maggie Shung, which I've owned a copy of forever and haven't watched it. But uh, this was an excellent film uh, about 1930s kind of a Hong Kong courtesan or, you know, in other words, a prostitute named Fleur, uh, who's played by this major pop star at the time. And she falls in love with this man um, who is like a pharmaceutical heir, And of course, his family doesn't like it. They decide to go on a, a. murder-suicide pact to stay together forever but he doesn't go through with it and she does so 50 years later she's been in hell and she comes back to hong kong basically as a ghost a corporeal ghost uh and uh, consults these journalists uh the, a couple that helps her track him down and find him uh but yeah very uh interesting kind of touching
0: film you watched anger management And I walked in on you watching it and I only caught like, so anger management is with Jack Nicholson and Adam Sandler 2003. Hmm. And I, how long was I there? 15 minutes. Yeah, And it was
1: unbearable. Uh, The whole goddamn thing is unbearable. This was, I don't remember. I like Jack Nicholson. I don't remember why I avoided this in 2003.
0: This, this is just shitty all around all regards and also hasn't aged well. Marissa Tomei, like these two. Oh, just the fact that these two men are trying to like. Well, ugh. Adam Sandler is such a wet rag and it's so she, undesirable. And then it's like they, they both want her and it's like, do, does she have any agency and like who she wants? Like, I just can't believe that she's even entertaining either of them. The crux of the drama is Jack Nicholson winnowing her
1: away from Adam Sandler so he can propose to her at this fucking football game. And it's like, but she, one, she's too good for Adam Sandler and She's known the Jack Nicholson character who looks like hell for, you know, 0. 0.5 seconds. Like it just is insane. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, but the reason I finally decided to catch up with this because Woody Harrelson plays a trans uh, woman named Galaxia uh, who is working the stroll that they pick up. And she's referred to as a she-male. Uh Adam Sandler acts like he's sick and is going to throw up. And I get that probably at the time Woody taking a role like that was probably a big deal and maybe uh, an inch and half an inch forward in mainstream representation. But it's like, you know, it's, it's, the, it's those men that act like they're going to be, they, they can't possibly fathom that. They would have had to touch uh, someone that's not a cis female, and it's like the you are not used to anybody wanting to sleep with you, so you have to
0: do this performance bullshit. And there's nothing I can't stand more than men who are so un—I mean, not that attractive men should be able to do what they want to do, but like unappealing men acting like no one wants you girl like if you're a really appealing person you're used to all kinds of people
1: hitting on you uh yeah that's why i'm
0: so chill because no i'm just kidding whether (laughs) out of
1: whether out of desperation or uh for for any possible reason you get that people are trying to uh, wiggle their way into having some kind of physical access toward you and you just get over it
0: there's a scene where because adam And Marissa agree to take like a break from their relationship. And Adam decides that it would be a good idea for him to show up at a restaurant where Marissa is having her first date with another man. And he shows up with these two impossibly beautiful adult film actresses who are also lesbians. And one is played by January Jones and they, oh my God, it's just so annoying. Like this doesn't make any sense. How, why would Marissa be jealous that you hired some prostitutes? Right, because they, cause that's they clearly, are clearly that's what they are. Uh, it's, it's like, like so offensive. And his character, like, because he was
1: emasculated as a, a young child by being pants in the streets, and he's never been able to get over it. It's just
0: so. Anyway, times have changed, so luckily we won't probably see films like this again. But lastly, we watched a movie again, perusing through like Black History Month selections. This is actually a film that we had put on a poll, yep, a few weeks ago when we uh, did a live category for like Black horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched death by temptation Uh uh-huh starring kadeem hardison and james bond the third and samuel l jackson and bill nunn and melba moore and
1: melba moore who uh rupaul recently compared robin fierce to which i agree with
0: yeah well they're both beautiful yes and who's the star or the female, the spooky one, uh,
1: who hasn't really, who didn't really do anything else, but who I loved the most, uh, Cynthia Bond, who is I think name? looks
0: like Tessa Thompson. She does using a Diana Ross voice. Uh, this movie was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, it's kind of a mess, but it was definitely entertaining and probably the most entertaining part about it is James Bond. The third is like the writer director mm-hmm. and the star he's clearly a homosexual I would assume and his characters playing like this guy from like this simple guy from North Carolina who wants to become like a reverend and have this ministry. And there are so many cringy scenes just like his daddy had where yeah. he's talking with his kinfolk Kadeem Hardison because his Joel James Bond, the lives in North Carolina, but his, I can't tell if it's his brother or his cousin his cousin, I think lives in New York city and he's like a working actor. And those two actors, Many of the scenes they're in, it looks like they're not even in the same room. And then it's so awkward because, I don't know, I would love to know, I should find an interview with Kadeem talking about it, hopefully. Because it seems like he's uncomfortable. It's Well,
1: and they're doing this thing where Kadeem Hardison's character keeps trying to not be physical with his
0: cousin who wants to be affectionate. It's very, there are so many things you could read into and I kind of wish we would people would have voted for this one because yeah. it's very, very like sexuality and religion and yeah. Well, so, the, the spooky woman is actually
1: a succubus who is taking all these men, plucking all these men out this one bar, like, like Jeffrey Dahmer and then Bill Nunn. Who's this? We assume is this barfly is actually part of the secret police division that investigates. Oh my god, <laughs> that
0: investigates like paranormal
1: murders or. But well, it's like um, you've been down on the job because you watched all these men get snatched
0: out of here and haven't even followed her home. Well, I think uh, I would recommend it if because it's on amazon prime right yeah oh well i think we have an amc oh no we watch it through amc but anyway i would definitely recommend it like it it's a good like friday night with friends kind of movie. well it, it also has that vibe of early 90s new york
1: which i really you know so it has that going for it but it's it's not very well edited the writing
0: is bad and james bond the third's acting is pretty bad i think he looks like uh like like a pudgy cynthia arrivo (laughs) yeah he looks like he could be her kid uh but and kadeem hardison seems really awkward in this role like maybe he took it and then he regretted it and then he's in these scenes with this guy who's clearly gay and they're talking about women i i would love to know what he felt and melba Moore is this soothsayer that they visit she's in one scene she has one scene where she's doing like this she's like a medium madam sonia oh my god it's so the writing is so bad but it looks kind of cool there are a lot of interesting shots and thinking that this guy made it i'm actually really impressed but we need to take a break all right moving on to projects of interest so last week on instagram will smith posted a video where he was like i have a big surprise for you all do not scroll up like keep watching i'll give you a hint and then he plays that Nelly song uh from the bad boys movie. I, I, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget. I, and then we see him drive into Martin Lawrence's like mansion. Mm-hmm. And then Martin Lawrence answers the door. So clearly this video was to announce that Bad Boys Four is moving forward. What we all need people that when I 4. Told you, when, when, when I tell you this is the last thing I want is another bad boys movie. Well, especially I
1: didn't like the last the one. The last one's at all. not good where Martin is clearly not in
0: fighting form. Martin just seems like someone's dad who doesn't want to get up off of his barco lounger Mm -hmm. and then will smith trying to be this like debonair playboy slash detective is so it feels so like welcome to miami well it's, it's just like where have we elevated ourselves since then right
1: in this character as well uh but i mean i I understand that there's a huge fan base for those films based on the uh, negative comments we got on our Bad Boys 3. Yeah, people were mad we didn't like that movie. But I didn't like it. I stand by not liking it. I will watch the fourth one with an open mind, but I'm not going to be surprised if I probably don't like it. But We'll see. Is it, is Michael Bay directing? Do we know? Because know. most likely, I won't like it if he's directing. It. Next, something called The Order. Uh, Justin Kurzel, uh, Australian director, whose Snowtown was a pretty good film, and then he did some. Well, I don't. I don't like his version of Macbeth, and I really didn't like that video game movie he did with Michael Fassbender and Charlotte Rampling, uh, who who is a favorite of mine, by the way. Uh, he kind of redeemed himself with the true history of the Kelly gang, which is probably the best film I've seen about Ned Kelly, you know, and that's considering Tony Richardson directed a Ned Kelly movie with Mick Jagger. And uh, of course, Heath Ledger played Ned Kelly. Uh, anyway, I highly recommend that, but, uh, he has a new project with Jude Law and Nicholas Holt. Called white, uh, no, it's called the Order, and it's about a white supremacist militia group in the Pacific Northwest in the nineteen eighties. So that's not necessarily a subject matter I'm interested in, but I'm sure, uh, based on how Kurtzel makes movies, it'll be hard hitting.
0: Some Max Barbacau body swap.
1: It's an untitled project. Max Barbacau directed that Palm Springs movie with Andy Samberg, which is kind of like Groundhog Day, um, which we covered when that came out on Hulu. Is that in 2020 now anyway uh jennifer aniston and julie roberts will be swapping
0: bodies which whenever i think of jennifer aniston i think of maria bamford saying that jennifer aniston would be the monkey who knows where to find the bananas yeah and i think of <laughs> i think of sebastian silva in nasty babies had a picture of her on his fridge saying that she's all one color she looks like bread ugh um lastly you wrote down something i didn't know which is michael jackson's nephew jafar jackson has been set to play his uncle and filmmaker antoine fuqua's biopic michael about the singer's life and this will be uh, by Lionsgate. i i jafar is jermaine's son right
1: we talked about fuqua last week i think directing it was announced he was directing this movie but i thought you would find that interesting
0: well this is definitely a step in of a, a positive direction that sure because then i feel like if you actually have his nephew i mean i feel like this will have to be handled in a respectful way and obviously family members know more about him than anyone else perhaps well that's not necessarily true but um this is definitely a step in the right direction some legitimacy of me maybe. feeling like this project might be something that
1: like ice cube son playing him sure in which i thought was actually a pretty good performance in straight out of compton
0: yeah but that movie overall i thought who directed that um, f. Gary gray. f gary gray that's right yeah Okay, unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. Mm-hmm. Melinda Dillon. Oh yeah, um, oh. I don't. I'm not familiar with this person. Yes, you are. Tu Wang Fu is one of your
1: favorite movies. Well, who is she in that? She's the one that uh, tries to take the fringe uh, uh, from uh, Wesley Sn- from Nazima Jackson. You know Melinda Dillon. She's also the mom in A Christmas Story. Uh, she's in P- Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. Which one is she in this picture? The, uh, the one on the very end to the left. This? Yeah. I don't. She's want, the one the that. redhead?
0: Uh, yeah. I definitely don't remember. Okay. Her oh, this. Yes. I don't remember her. Okay.
1: Well, that's. Her. But I'm sorry, she's gone. Uh, she's the mom in Harry and the Hendersons and Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, yeah. Now, M- Melinda Dillon was
0: uh, always a bright spot in film. And then Cynthia Williams died at the age of 75. People know her as Shirley from Laverne and Shirley, which was sort of a spin-off of the show Happy Days, mm-hmm. right? No. Which I never- No, no, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. She was on Happy Days and, but I definitely recognize her from Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. I never watched either of those series oh the opening of laverne and shirley which i wish i knew the lyrics but like some easel them some
1: Poffer incorporated <laughs> i i do remember seeing a scene of them trying i think she's trying to teach penny marshall how to drive in the living room with cans of beans oh. or, or she's got cans for the beans and the gas and penny uh is trying to say why can't the beans be the gas uh <laughs> But we also uh, talked about her recently because we did a podcast on the Parallax View. Mm. She's the woman that uh, w- they're trying to, or not the Parallax View, sorry, the conversation where Gene Hackman's trying to decipher what this couple's saying. Remember the Francis Ford Coppola film we did for political thrillers and he's trying. No, the wrong person gets killed. I think the man that he hired gets killed. His, no. his wife. She- oh my God. You don't remember that? We had a whole, we had a
0: live of that. No. With not, Gene Hackman. Not at all. Oh, where he does like secret recordings of people. Yes. Yes, I remember that. She's movie. the woman that's part of the relationship. That's right. Yeah. Wait. She's the she's the one who's out in the park, or she's yes. Oh, uh, that's her? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Today's secret film was one <laughs> suggested by someone who listens to our podcast. I think it was an excellent uh choice because there's a lot to talk about. It's the 2008 romantic drama film directed by Sam Mendes. Revolutionary road. Mm-hmm. I had never seen it. I had you saw it when it came out. Yeah. Um, what do I know Sam Mendes from? Uh, well, his first
1: film, uh, American Beauty swept the Oscars and won Kevin Spacey his second Oscar. Uh, you also he did two Bond films. I know you've seen such as Skyfall and Spectre. Um, and then we. You know, 1917 was a big deal. The year came out in 2019, uh, but also Empire of Light. We reviewed with Olivia Coleman.
0: Sam Mendes did Empire of
1: Light. Yeah. Oh, which I've said to you like five times in the past 24 hours. Uh, but in at the time of filming Revolutionary Road, he was married to Kate Winslet.
0: Oh, mm-hmm. well, the film stars Kate Winslet and Neo, Neo, Neo Lardo. Neo Lardo. <laughs> <laughs> Lardo. Kate Winslet and Neo Lardo DiCaprio. They are a married couple. It's the 1950s. Connecticut. Um, okay. And of
1: course it's a reunion of them from Titanic, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. This is after Titanic. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. So they are a couple. Leonardo, Neil, and I want to say Neolardo. Neil Neolardo Neil is like a longshoreman. He's traveled the world. So he's, you know, appealing to her and she has aspirations to be an actor. And when we meet them, meet, meeting for the first time, there there is a lot of energy between the two mm-hmm. of them. Then we see that they are married and she is, a, you know, she's pursued her goal of being an actor and it she's not successful at it. <laughs> well,
1: local community theater. So in Connecticut, I doubt. Did anyone any favors? So we
0: see that they've transitioned to sort of your standard, like white American suburban life where she's in the fifties where she's a homemaker and he works like your basic corporate sales job. And it's clear that they are just going through the motions and that a lot of the fire that they had between them has dissipated. And they're about, I think they're both turning 30. When one night she, Kate, tells Neolardo that like, you know, we have enough savings and we have enough equity in this house that we could leave everything and move to Paris, France. You said you always wanted to live there. You've been there. You said there was no other place like it. I could work as a secretary. They pay really well, like at the government agencies and you could spend your time, my husband, uh, figuring out what you want to do with your life. And at first he's like, that's crazy. Like it's a pipe dream but she convinces him and then we get a sequence where it seems like they're really happy at the pro, like because they've made plans like they purchased uh i think they were going to go by boat mm-hmm. uh, so like she has the boat tickets and the traveler's checks and they're telling everyone they're leaving and they seem really happy mm-hmm. at the future that is ahead of them but things take a turn for two reasons one Neolardo meets with like a big boss who offers him like a much bigger position with much better pay, which causes him to sort of question like maybe he should stay. But the bigger issue is that Kate tells her husband, she's pregnant with the third kid with their third child. And she's saying, but we don't have to keep it. I can have an abortion and he's upset about it. And this is where it becomes clear that these two people don't necessarily have the same vision for what they want their futures to be. And, Things are made worse when her husband finds some paraphernalia that would indicate that she was going to give herself an abortion Mm -hmm. and then he really gets upset then everything devolves again to a huge fight where they say things that they really can't come back from like i hate you i never loved you or i don't love you and then everything culminates with kate performing this like at-home abortion Mm -hmm. And it does not go well. And she dies as a result of her injuries. Mm-hmm. And then we see that we don't see, but we're told that Neolardo Lardo moves on mm-hmm. the end. Um, yeah, I thought this movie was very good. I was feeling a lot of things I could relate to a lot of things. Um, I definitely would recommend it, you know, watching with a group of people and talking about it. Sure. Um, there were some things I didn't love, but overall. Kate Winslet's performance is excellent. She's great. Yeah. Michael Shannon does an amazing job. Yes. I think Leonardo was I think I, kind of flat, but I think his character was supposed to be. So well, he's yeah, kind of perfect.
1: Right. Well, and I think part of the problem is this 1950s suburbia, you know, and and they, they don't have um, there's not a gender equality between the two of them in this relationship and he's offered this opportunity to become a man you know because he i think he's going along with the parisian paradise thing as a as a kept as a stay-at-home husband because essentially he's not doing anything that uh, is glorifying him in any sort of way where he currently is. But he, he gets the chance to ascend that and, you know, really be something, which is how the the big man J.O. Sanders spells out to him.
0: Well, I also feel like Kate. So, you know, I, I, I like this movie because I think you can sort of be like Team Kate or Team Leo, and I'm Team Kate because I feel like he, Leo allowed her or supported her, and that's my very first note is after – her failed uh, theater performance, they get into a fight on the way home. Mm -hmm. And Leo goes off on her about basically like, it's not his fault that she didn't succeed as an actor. And I felt like Kate recognized that he supported her attempts at doing something she really wanted to do. So her proposing Paris was kind of like, we can get out of this rut and I'm giving you the opportunity to figure out what you want to do. And I think that alone makes me feel like, like like i was really about her getting to do what she wanted to do that being said and we can talk about it more i do feel like she should have been more open to letting her husband take this higher paying job because he does tell her i mean the the other thing about it is like when you're in a relationship you know you say a lot of things that maybe you wish you hadn't said but you ultimately you know sometimes get to a place where it's like there's an understanding and he does tell her why don't we try it out? Why don't we see what our life is like with all this extra money? I think we could be happy here. Like we could make a life here that is equivalent to what we thought Paris could be. And I agreed with that as well. Like, I wish she, you know, it, like I'm so, like I was so sad to find out that she attempted this abortion and then of course died. And I really wish she would have tried. Like, let, like take the job, stay here, see if you can make a life that you're excited about. But, but then there's the issue of the baby like because i never got the sense i'm assuming that she didn't want the baby and that's why she
1: i don't think she really wanted the other kids it's, as much as she probably did love them uh, you know even the way she describes in that what argument we had the first one was an accident and we had the second one to prove, to prove, that prove it wasn't, the first one wasn't an accident and then you're stuck in this this stagnation of this expected life and i think that I I think that where they go to is kind of in that immature territory that we all sometimes go to as part of a couple and out of our own selfishness. And sometimes you say things you just can't take back. Well, that's my
0: next note is like, yeah. But
1: I think that her point is, even if he has a promotion, it's not going to be doing anything he wants to do. It's not his passion. But he has found a way to be powerful and comfortable, which is what a lot of, you know, especially uh, you know, white men do. And that's where you get that whole midlife crisis thing down the road too. So I think she innately knows that. And yes, the mature thing, a mature thing
0: to do would be to stay, but she, but I don't knows. blame him. Like I don't blame him for wanting to be practical and comfortable and Yeah, there is a lot of risks. So I'm going to make all this money and be secure and be able to take care of my family because he does seem to really value his family and to be taking responsibility for them. I could ensure that, or I could carry my ass on down to Paris. And then what, like, what if, like, like, what if I don't find what I'm looking for? And we're kind of just there and we, it really is no different than what we had before. So. It's very, very interesting, but I was very, you know, when they first start saying things that I thought like are things you can't take back, it's just, it, it, it's so unfortunate because we hold on to those things forever and mm-hmm. it's like, even you with your bad
1: memory, those things are remembered.
0: Yeah. And it's like a bro, you know, some things you cannot forget and you can't repair. And I, I think I, I really related to Kate in that, like, she just boundaries are crossed and then it's too late. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um. So
1: the book that is based on by Richard Yates is was published in 1961, uh, and I, I do find it, you know, interesting that it's this husband and wife team making this film that you know, eventually would dissolve as well. Uh, there is something that's kind of missing from the film for
0: me. Well, let's here. Let l- let me because we didn't. T- so Michael Shannon is part of this movie because Kathy Bates is the realtor who assists. Kate and Leo and finding their home and she becomes friendly with them. And then she says, I would love for you to meet my son. He's had some psychiatric issues and I think you two would be a great example. So Michael Shannon is basically Kathy Bates' crazy ass son. And she's introduced, he, the purpose of his character, I thought was that he is sort of the truth Mm -hmm. and they're masking it as, you know, his mental health issues are allowing him to just speak unfiltered and mm-hmm. so he's calling them out on their bullshit specifically leo's character mm-hmm. like he's really hard on him then david harbour and his wife played by Catherine Hahn. they are friends of leo and kate's and david is in
1: love with kate as and she knows it too from the moment where they first go over there and she's like framed in that dory with her arm up and she's wearing that little blue dress it's like she knows that he wants her
0: which i think says a lot because on my My next note is uh, because Leo cheats on Kate with the secretary at his job on his birthday. Zoe Kazan. Mm -hmm. Which I thought, oh, well, if you're, I mean, if you're going to, you should at least be able to cheat on your spouse on your birthday. But anyway, I feel like we see that. Then we see Kate acknowledging that this friend likes her. It it, it just all reads as like this couple, like like they're missing things Mm -hmm. in their lives together that, you know, I could argue they will never get from each other. So it's like, what do you do? Like, you know, people have needs or wants, desires, and it's it's just so difficult to think, like, this one person in this very sort of, like... Rigid, Rigid life. Yeah. But rigid doesn't always mean, like, this sort of traditional life. It just means, like, when you're invested in someone and so much of your life involves them, it just doesn't... It feels like this huge, like, glacier that's moving, and you can't just turn. You can't just stop it. You can't just say, well, what if we move? What if we, you know, like, I often think like, oh, I'd love to make big changes, but it's not practical. Like, so then practicality, you know, forces maybe happiness sometimes to take a back seat. Sure. But practicality is there for a reason, right? Like we have to think about the future and we have to think about our comfort and our health. And especially if you have children, like you have to, you have other people to think about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so interesting about this movie, because if this married couple didn't have children, then it would obviously be a very different story. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they do makes me feel like Leo's very strong feelings about staying make sense, too. Right? Like, we have kids.
1: that we But, have to but, but in a world, in a culture, in a society that's always going to prize him as well and his perspective. And I think she knows that.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I think if they would have been able to communicate their needs better, which I don't think either of them really knew. They just knew that they weren't happy where they were. It's like, even if society doesn't support you, you can create a bubble where you do get the support. Like, Uh, because I do believe she could have been happy in that town. I don't know. Because it's like, like, what are you looking for? You just don't like being here because you don't like. These kids and this, well the superb, the suburbia is stifling and I think the Kathy
1: Bates uh, character is a really good example of that. Who is this kind of friendly person who I have immediate empathy for, and then in the last scene of the film it's like, oh, but you're one of those bitches, okay?
0: So when you know the film has a the the, the film is beautifully shot, but it has this somber mood. Roger and, Deakins, yeah. And when they announce they're moving to Paris, it's you know like the 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 third way point mm-hmm. through the film it's like, you know, something tells me they're not going to make it to Paris. Mm-hmm. So that provided a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. for a period of time because I'm like, something's going to happen. Like, like they're not going to Paris. This 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 movie is not about this couple in Paris. So I thought that was very effective in the storytelling. Like, it's such a great story. It is a great
1: story. But, uh, and I do, you know, Michael Shannon was the only one ultimately who received an Oscar nomination for acting in this. And I do like his performance, but it also is, It also reads as kind of jarring in this environment as well. And I would have liked to see him outside of the Wheeler home because we only his two big scenes are, you know, contained inside this house as this kind of soothsayer. Um, But 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 he's fine. I, I do remember being really irritated that year because Kate won double Golden Globe. She won Best Supporting Actress for The Reader and she won Best Actress in the Drama for Revolutionary Road and then went on to the Oscars, was locked out for Revolutionary and then won Best Actress for the reader, where she plays a Nazi who speaks English, which is a movie that I I, I like far less, like far less.
0: So uh, another thing this story made me think of is like, you know, if I want to have a moment of positivity, and you know, like if people think like, if if I you know if if I think like, oh, I've had a nice life thus far, probably the biggest contributing factor to that is not worrying about what other people think of my choices. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this movie demonstrates how there's so much pressure during this period with these types of people of like having to deal with what other people think about what they're doing. And I just think that is like poison. Definitely. I care about what people think about me, but it's more like I don't want people to think I'm a dick or I, I would, it kills me to think someone thought I was rude or so I care about, you know, that, those sorts of things but it's like my life choices and my career where i want to live how i want to live
1: mm-hmm. how i make my
0: money yeah i don't really like i'm not worried like no one else is paying my bills no one's worried of, no one cares about me really like no one is s- losing sleep at night wondering if i'm happy so why should i lose sleep thinking if people are going to approve of my choices so wa- watching this couple especially when they're talking to their other couple friend and Leo talking to his co-workers. It's just so interesting. And honestly, like, you know, I'm contemplating making some kind of bigger changes in my life and I'm not going to speak on them until they're solidified. Right. And then it's going to be quick and swift. Mm-hmm. We're not, I'm not like, I'm really, I'm, I'm actually thinking that I'm probably not even going to really tell people what I'm up to. I'm just gonna be like, well, this thing's changing. <laughs> it
1: happened, yeah. It happened. Which is kind of I, I think I relate to doing that as well. I don't like to broadcast too many th- some things, you know, you kind of have to because some things need a certain momentum. Uh but uh yeah. When 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 Leo first goes to work he's like, I'm moving to Paris, I'm
0: like, ooh, don't say that. I right know. Now. I'm like, don't tell these fools anything. And then when they go to tell uh, David Harbour and Catherine Hahn, and then after they leave, Catherine's like crying. Mm -hmm. When she understands that her husband also thinks it's a bad idea, but I thought she was—I felt like she was crying because she was scared that he might want to rock the boat,
1: or that maybe he would, and she knew that being with this man, he never would. But they, they or or, or yeah,
0: or maybe the opposite.
1: Like that, this is the life for us, and we're stuck. Um, But they also seem kind of like that couple that they—they are drinking that Kool-Aid, and they are gonna—they are just gonna do this you know, and, and that's fine. There's really, there's essentially nothing wrong with cause cause Kate talks a lot in this movie about there's nothing special about the, uh, us. We're not better than anybody else. And to a degree, that's true of all of us. But you know, you, if you want to live out loud, you have to make those kind of changes. And decisions. Well,
0: I interpreted what she said about not being special is not like, I mean, we're all special, which makes us all the same. But I think what wh- how I interpreted that was that if they don't make a bold choice, they're never going to, um, like everyone in the world they are in all have the same experience. Mm-hmm. And if you just sit there and do nothing, nothing's going to change, right? Like you're not special. No one's going to pluck you and be like, hey, you're a bright, shiny star. And I want you to explore this thing. No, like, like, well, no, it's
1: like when you come to the point in your life where you realize like this could be it if I don't do something about it, like right. th- this could be I had all these hopes and dreams of doing these things, you really can still do them. But it, it you
0: you sense it when you're in a situation like I have to do something else. When Leo's big boss is trying to offer him a better position relating to the advent of computers. The fable man. Um, he Leo asks him, Do you remember my dad? My dad worked for this company mm-hmm. for 20 years. And the guy's like, No, I don't. And you can see in his face, like, damn, this is so I'd, it was a really good scene because at first he's like, See, this is why I want to leave this bullshit. But then the big boss switches it up on him and says you know, you should take this proposal I'm offering you because this will. Well, he tells him that I've learned that in life we only get a couple chances, mm-hmm. and if you don't take those chances, one day you're going to wake up and wonder why you're in this rut. But then he also tells him, you know, this would really make your dad proud. And at first it seemed manipulative, but uh, but there is some truth to that in that like. Your dad just played the game everyone else plays, mm-hmm. where you just work somewhere forever with no glory, no accolade, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. could be all of us. You know, people work at. There was some lady on TikTok like six months ago, a younger woman who had posted a video I saw that went viral about how her mom has worked at Target Corp for like 26 years. Mm-hmm. And she's always been in the same position, Um, like as just a regular, like the people who work the register and um, like stock inventory and then she was explaining that target that her dad is like a store manager so the mom could never work in the same store as the dad because it's against policy rules and also the mom had to take a like like a two-year break or something during that 26 years for like i don't know to have a baby or something i don't know sure But so she was saying that target doesn't recognize her as having worked there that long and that she deserves more recognition. And I just thought like, no, like you have a job as a cashier. You've allowed yourself to sit there for 26 years as a cashier. If you don't make big changes, if you don't pursue other things, people will really let you do the same thing forever. Oh yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I used to, (laughs) because they want, ultimately people want warm
1: bodies there to do the the bullshit. They don't want to do, uh, which is the hierarchy that we have all bought into but yeah i I
0: always think about i used to work as a pharmacy technician at a at an inpatient pharmacy at a level one trauma center so this big like county hospital and when i started working there there were women there who had been there for like 10 years and then i noticed recently looking at someone's linkedin that one of them is still there oh so they've been there for like damn near 30 years Mm -hmm. and i remember them always complaining and like and it's like no you could work as a pharmacy technician for 70 years you will never be a pharmacist Mm -hmm. like you have to go to pharmacy school Mm -hmm. like so it's just like you will sit in this job forever because that is the job and that's totally fine if 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 you made the most of it and you're content but i just think like when kate's character said that i thought of that like it's not anyone's fault but your own if you allow life to just like the days to go by because mm-hmm. they will they do and they you, will and they you do. could literally sit in one spot forever and no one is going to walk by and try to pick you up from that no we need to take a quick break again okay there's just so much to say about revolutionary road so then kate ends up having sex with david harbour's character one night when they all go out and Catherine Hahn gets drunk so leo has to take her home mm-hmm. what did you think about that
1: I thought that was kind of inevitable based on the hints that this the film is giving us and also that at this point, you know, because Leo's already slept with somebody and she has now felt that sh- she's at a, a certain crossroads that she's been denied. So I think this is her attempt to feel something to to rekindle a feeling about herself.
0: I thought a really good scene is when Michael Shannon's character finds out they're not going to Paris and he goes off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> saying everything that you know i think probably kate's character was feeling Mm -hmm. and then when he finds out that she's pregnant and michael's character finally storms out of the room he goes i'm glad i'm not going to be that kid Mm -hmm. the one in kate's belly Mm
1: -hmm. i was like wow because both y'all are going to resent this kid for various reasons yeah oh by the way the, the other children are the simpkins kids ty simpkins ty simpkins would go on to be an insidious and the whale this past year oh that's right he's only in like
0: one or two scenes though then another powerful scene is when kate tells um leo that she hates him
1: yeah and it's like which i don't necessarily believe is true i think that she hates what he's become i don't know that she hates him uh but you know that's
0: Sometimes where things go. Not- I don't know. I thought she hated him. I, I, I can see that being like the feeling of like, well, it, it like I hate you because you're like you're ruining my life. You're the reason why I can't. Right. But <laughs> but that that's also set out of
1: anger because only uh, a few days beforehand they thought they were going to Paris and it was not that was not the sentiment between them. So I I don't think that you can switch that drastically. In the situation that they're in. Well, I, think, I that's agree. That's why I think they're both—they're both thirty supposedly. So they're both immature. You're immature still at thirty, even in the fifties. I think you can feel both. I I agree. and I think they
0: can like swing from one day to the next. Well, like that Martin Lawrence movie. There's a thin line between lines. Because it's just like when you. So the overall, I have a few notes left, but the overall feeling I had about this film and the thing that hit me the hardest is like that moment when you realize that the person or people who you have invested so much in who you believed in you know that moment when you realize like oh they're a disappointment or oh we don't really see eye to eye or oh it's never going to be like how i imagined Mm -hmm. that moment like that when you realize like oh wow that's how this movie felt to me
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: i do think that she loved the man but i also think that she wanted more than what she had with him but i also believe that she thought she could have more with him but then when she realized that because the scene where she says i can have an abortion and he like the look in his face is like you're a monster for considering that mm-hmm. but also, i mean, imagine i um, also
1: get the sense that he's kind of gaslighting her because her having this kid ensures that they will most likely stay so i I think i think that there's some game playing on his end there sure but i think you know he also has dreams and And she she knows it that's why she says, do you really want a third kid because he doesn't he doesn't want a third kid
0: no but i think he wants like a standard life where he is successful and the measure of a man in that community in that time is that you well, can take care of your family and you have all the trappings. He's been told he'll be more prominent
1: than his father doing the same thing. I think that a lot of uh, men find that's kind of intoxicating. And they're allowed
0: to. Like sure. just, just because that's not how I want to live doesn't yeah, mean it's I, not appealing to people. So I so I genuinely think that he, or I think that he genuinely thought that that could make him happy. He, because she kept arguing like, but you hate your job. Right. Even Michael Shannon says like, oh, you're going to stay for a job you hate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I can have all the other things because of it, then I feel like I'm winning and I think that's reasonable. I don't think it's great for your mental health maybe, but no. Um I again, I think that's the recipe that for the road to not the revolutionary
1: road, the road to the midlife crisis. But...
0: The scene where Kate screams I related to cuz I've said before sometimes like I wish I could just like mm-hmm. cuz I can't scream, but yeah, I I could just like that characterization i related to of like because she even says twice like i just don't want to like i just want to be left alone and he won't leave her alone and it's like let this lady have a minute to think Mm -hmm. because if you don't let me think i'm going to start saying crazy shit Mm -hmm. because you're forcing me to talk so then it's like getting back to what you were saying yeah people say wild shit in these intense scenarios but part of it is because they're being pushed. Mm-hmm. Like she is saying, Leave me alone. But uh, the, again,
1: but getting back to what I said earlier, there is something, there's a component of, of something, energy that's missing. And I, I don't want to say it's like, I, I don't need it to be queer or camp or overly melodramatic, but I'm either missing kind of this Douglas Sirkian melodrama of like 50s templates, like All That Heaven Allows or Magnificent, that things that I, I wanted that kind of energy or something a little more gritty. And, and to me, this also, it, it, it it's not a suburban film. It's not a shallow film by any means, but it also feels, it's about hetero people, but it also feels like it's just from a, a masculine perspective. I don't know. It, it it doesn't quite hit in the way that I want it to, even though I probably feel warmer about it now than I did in 2008.
0: I think for what it is, I enjoy it because it is about a specific type of, like a specific type of people but i my next note was that i felt like this would have been more interesting if i felt like these two people were really in love and were really good for each other and they're just sort of in this confusing place because the sense i got from them was that you know you can make something work with a lot of people right like i don't believe that there's this one person out there in the universe that is my perfect match and you know i think that you could make a life with a lot of different people you know there are a lot mm-hmm. of options out there to build a life with and i think that these two people seem like you know they decided to build a life together and as we grow and develop we want different things and they reached a point where it was clear that maybe they don't want the same things well
1: also, i think casting might have something to do with it i know that the hype of kate and leo being reunited i think that By this time, Winslet is kind of... I think she's running circles around him in this movie. I agree. And I think that she... Her talent kind of... I think he's talented. I I really... I liked him in The Revenant. I think he's a good actor. Even a great actor. I don't know that... I think somebody more... Somebody a little more interesting in this role might have helped me believe that they were... Since we don't spend a lot of time with them when they're getting to know each other initially. But we have to believe that they're this power couple right and i that in the pressure that comes with being the power couple in this very limited universe uh, i i think is not constructed in a way that makes
0: me feel the devastation of them crumbling to pieces yeah i agree but i also think you know if Leo's character is meant to be just sort of like your standard guy who's like drank the Kool-Aid and thinks that the only way I can have a happy life is to do the standard things, then I think he did that really well. He but did. I agree. I wish it would have been someone a little more interesting and gritty who there was more passion between them yeah, and that they're really fighting a lot of things. Because in this film, it feels like what they're fighting is like societal expectations. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: and I think what you put it well, at because the very last scene of the movie is ultimately people being trapped and also realizing that they're stuck with someone that they don't care
0: for. Yeah, because the final scene is Kathy Bates is sitting with another couple. No, she's, she's just with her husband. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. She's talking to her husband about the new couple who have moved moved into Leo and Kate's old house and saying that they're the first people who they she really feels like are good there. And the husband's like, "But wait, I thought you liked Kate and Leo. And then she's like kind of being shady talking shit. And then we see her husband turn down his hearing aid. Mm-hmm. so we don't we, we no longer hear Kathy Bates. And that was I thought very powerful because mm-hmm. it's also like, you know, just because you've been with someone a long time doesn't mean that you're like this perfect match who are synchronized and yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just. I think for anyone who's been in a relationship for a while, there are those moments when you're just like disappointed, like oh, I'm I'm really disappointed that you said that or did that or that you're or you think this about this. And how do you move past that? How do you? I think a lot of couples don't know how to communicate. Well, right, because you have to uh expressly articulate some things and
1: and also you have to give people the chance to, as I said earlier in this uh recording uh, we're all in ignorance about some things and we have to give each other we have to give people the opportunity to be better too by by allowing them to
0: grow i felt so bad for kate's character because i feel like she didn't she didn't think that she could she just didn't believe that she could cuz i think it's not expressly explained, but my assumption was she was going to terminate her pregnancy because we hear her tell, like, think the babysitter, like, can the kids stay all night? She told Catherine Han. So my assumption was that she was going to leave. Like mm-hmm. she already had her traveler's checks and her ship ticket. So I don't think that she wanted to die, but no. I think that she was ready to let her life, like she was ready to leave her previous life and start a new one. So I just felt so bad for her because it's like, that's such an extreme thing to do that she shouldn't have, we should be allowed to speak honestly about what we want and what Mm -hmm. we need. And if they don't match what other people want and need, it's almost like, well, you signed up for this life with me 12 years ago, and this is what we said we were going to do and we can't like, like we have to do it and it's like, but I've grown. I've changed. Life has changed. These Mm -hmm. kids made things different. Like, and then I could go on and on. Just the idea of like a mother coming to terms with the fact that maybe being a mother is not for her. Right. I mean, clearly, this lady, which is didn't want to be a mother anymore.
1: (laughs) What's frustrating is he's not listening to her when she's like, when it's clear. She makes it clear as an outsider observing them to me that she cannot be happy there, and he's not hearing that. Right. And he even with a promotion, he knows in his heart, it's not, that's not his dream. So what he should have done was
0: move with her. It's such a good story because it really, you know, I said I'm team Kate and I am mainly because I just felt so bad for her, but I also understood Leo's angle. Um, Yeah, it's very good. I would give this film three and a half out of five um i
1: initially gave it three in 2008 and i think that i i maintain that score but
0: and i'm not giving it four just because i i wish it were a little grittier i wish the leo's character was played by someone a little more interesting that made me feel like there was a little more passion between them and also while i think michael shannon's performance is really great it did feel kind of basic that his character is meant to sort of like explain to us. He's explaining <laughs> their ennui to them. Yes. Yeah. And I'm like, I didn't need, like I can see what's happening and, and it's well done. So the fact that he's there doing like, like he's ripped out of one flu over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. But, but, but again, Michael Shannon's performance is top notch and whatever critical acclaim he received, he deserved. And I think Kate Winslet, who we didn't mention, but also is was very striking. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, I, I mentioned in a, I think another podcast that we watched. Oh, we watched something about the making of Avatar 2 with her. And she does seem like she's a lot to deal with. She
1: probably is, yeah.
0: So, you know, as a person, I don't know that I think the same about her, but as an on screen presence, she's, and of course, Mayor of East Town. Oh, Mary, she's you so know, good in that. And, you know, uh, that have. I don't y- know her in much, many other movies. Really? I didn't even know she was in Avatar 2. We've seen Titanic. I've seen Titanic like six times. Yeah, we, well, we, we watched a couple years ago by the Queen Mary. We actually watched. Yeah, there, <laughs> there was a screening of the Titanic where we sat in front of the Queen Mary, and it was a cold night, so that was appropriate. But yeah, I can't think of her in anything else I've seen. Oh God, she's in she's in a lot of really good stuff. Because uh, I didn't see the the the, the Reader.
1: Or... The Reader, I don't love. It's not her performance is fine, but it, again, like people loving these English language movies where. <laughs> They would be, they shouldn't speaking, be speaking English. They would be speaking German. Um, I'm trying to think of something I really love. It, it's just at the tip of my tongue though. Um, well, oh, you know, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I haven't seen that. Um, but we, um, we need to get going. Um, oh, th- that was what I was going to talk about. The, her performance in Woody Allen's wonder wheel, uh, both her and Juno temple, I think are excellent in that 2017. I don't like Justin Timberlake in it. Uh, and I know, you know, um, but yeah, she, it, a fantastic lead performance in that too.
0: Okay. What do you have going on this week? This week?
1: Well, we have another magic mic movie.
0: Oh, that's right. And the review for a movie called of an age. Oh, which I did really like.
1: Uh, you have to let me know about a couple other things, but, um, that you're going to agree to watch but there's a, a horror film called baby ruby that i am kind of very curious about baby ruby and then uh, jenna malone stars in this christopher smith film called consecration i was hoping you would agree to watch uh, and then there's, there's also a julianne moore film called sharper i'm forgetting who the director is uh, so yeah a few things i think we're going to watch a couple well we have some things to watch uh, for black history month i won't give away too much more about that and uh and then about a week from now i'll be traveling to berlin
0: all right anything else no okay toodaloo